Hey everyone, welcome back to the Gary V Audio Experience once again. I'm Jacob from Team Gary, and if you're listening on Spotify, make sure you drop your feedback for this episode in the Q&A section down below. We have a really awesome episode for you today. This is a throwback keynote that Gary gave in San Francisco back in 2013. There's a lot of practical stuff that still translates almost 10 years later. We really hope you enjoy this one, and we hope to see you in the next episode. This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Gary Vaynerchuk, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. Although, we got a shake now too. Jesus, you expect so much, man. Uh, good afternoon. <laughs> Thanks so much. I know it's everybody's looking to go and eat dinner and things of that nature. So I really appreciate the people that have stuck around. Uh, moral of that story is, you know, I do like giving out hundred dollars at a time. So. If you make it through the keynote, feel free to come up here and uh, ask for it. Um, I'm gonna be rolling it out. Um, so I thought I had an hour and now I have 15 minutes. So I've had to kind of adjust where I'm going with this. I think I'll just go through this quite quickly. And ironically, there's not a whole lot to say. Um, so I could probably say it in 15 minutes, which is this. I think it's really interesting. I think it's really super interesting that the last panel, which I thought was quite good, talks about growth hacking and mobile marketing and content marketing and all this stuff. And it's really funny to watch us, you know, human beings continue to repackage the same shit over and over, right? I mean, we've literally fundamentally, for the last 200 years, have continued to repackage the same old thing over growth hacking. You know what growth hacking is? Like, get customers. Like, let me just save everybody a lot of time. <laughs> like, growth hacking. So, so I think, I was, so I was thinking about that, and listen, I'm, you know, I have a micro content production company, right? Like, we continue to repackage the same old thing, and I will tell the people who've lasted here long enough, and I know it's been a long day, that, you know, I really respect that, and I want to bring value to this conversation, and that's really what this is all about. At the end of the day, no matter what you do, if you're a tremendous VC or an entrepreneur or a brother or a sister or a parent or anything you are in your life, and obviously in the context of what a lot of us are here for, which is business, you've got to bring value. And, and nothing else really fundamentally matters. I want every single person to look at the home screen of their phone when they leave here today and look at all the apps that take the home screen of your phone. The home screen of your telephone is probably one of the most interesting looks into the psychology of people right now. I will probably get arrested in the next 12 months because every time I travel, I am looking over the shoulder of 12 and 13 year old children to get a good feel of what is on their home screen because I'm desperately interested in trying to understand what their home screens look like different than mine to understand the psychology. So if you ever read a beta a beat article that I got arrested, I promise you, it wasn't, I wasn't that pervy. Anyway, if you look at the home screen of your phone, there's really only three things. No matter if you're really fucking organized and put things into folders or you just have the apps on there, there's really only three fundamental things on your home screen, right? There's escapism, which is games. The reason, you know, you know, Angry Birds and all these other things on your phone is because our lives are complicated and hard and we need escapism. The reason there are sports and music and all these wonderful things that we actually are quite passionate about is it actually takes a few minutes out of our day, a few hours out of our day or week or year and lets us not worry about all the crazy shit that we actually have to worry about in actually being a human being. And so escapism, entertainment, whatever you want to look at it, is quite important and very, very important. Number two, utility. Right? If you look at your phone, a lot of you have your calendar and your 
clear app, to-do list, utility, making your life better, helping you get to places, do things of that nature, how do you make your life better, and finally, social. And that's the one I love to really think a whole lot about because I really do love people. Social is on your home screen. Social just took over gaming as the thing that we spend the most time on. So you've got Facebook and Pinterest and Tumblr and Instagram and Twitter and that's it. And at the end of the day, what I think about a lot is storytelling. I've only done one thing in my career, right? I, I, I will tell this crowd right now that for all the accolades and all the fact that people think I know what I'm doing, I suck shit at 99% of the things in the world. The one thing that I've got, the one thing that I've got is I, I've actually understood what the consumer was gonna do at scale a little bit sooner than most people and I'm not scared to go and market and storytell and most importantly execute in that market. My whole life is predicated on this. I did not own a computer in my life until I was 19 years old. I launched a dot com for my family liquor store business before I ever really was on the internet my own self. The only reason I did that was because I truly believed that you guys were gonna do that. I truly believed that when I used to get laughed at when I spoke at a conference, when I spoke at a conference and I got laughed at when I said that all of you would put a credit card into a computer, I knew that all of you were fucking stupid, right? I mean that. I really spoke at a conference and everybody laughed and I was on a panel and the person said, this guy thinks you're gonna buy wine on the internet, excuse me, this guy thinks you're gonna buy wine on the information superhighway. Remember, that's how we, that's how what we used to call it. And, and, uh, and, and he asked the audience, and how many of you are ever gonna put your credit card into a computer? And nobody raised their hand. And I remember thinking at that moment, like, holy shit, this is amazing. Like, people don't really know what they're gonna do. There are people in this room right now that swore to themselves, whether in their mind or to other people, that they would never be on Facebook that they would never ever be on Twitter, but they are. We're very good at drawing lines in the sand. What I'm completely obsessed with and what I care about is that I know that at AdTech, in that second floor where all those companies were presenting their products, that 98% of them were features. That 98% of the companies that were in the panels today were features, they're features, right? Now, if they have a storytelling CEO or an operating CEO, maybe they can drive it to some sort of success, be acquired by something else, or maybe even run a nice sized business. You know, selling your company isn't the only way to go out. Making money each month and having companies nice too. But it's really interesting, right? Being in SF, being at a conference like this, being part of a panel of amazing speakers like today, we need to fundamentally recognize that for all the people in this room and in this space and in this industry that are getting caught up in amazing brain power that's here, futuristic thinking, all those things, that this industry needs a cold, hard dose of old school reality to have success. You know, I think there's a lot of people that need to start realizing that the reason there's a series A crunch and things of that nature is because assholes like me made a lot of money and started writing $25,000 checks to everything and created this angel investing thing and there's 98% of the people that have startups right now that don't deserve to have startups because they're not good enough. And that 99% of brands don't actually care about their clients don't really care. They care about actually making quarterly numbers because they're really playing a stock market game, not to actually bring value to the end consumer game. And so I think we have a lot of interest misaligned in 2013, which very honestly, for a guy like me, 
is an amazing opportunity and I think is really interesting times. I think it's never been more interesting to innovate and to, and to be in business than right now because the grounds are quite fertile but the global misunderstanding of what we're all supposed to be doing has never been higher because you have a lot of young people that understand a lot of things but don't understand how to actually navigate and drive and run a business. You have a lot of people that, un- you like that? Is, you don't know how to navigate through? Which is the, by the way, ironically, even though I just said that, probably one of the best things that ever happened to you, right? Because naivete, because really, there's really always a yin and yang, right? The naivete often is what leads you to the holy land. But what's interesting is a lot of people that do know how to navigate try to spend too much time on things that actually don't matter. Let me talk to you about something that I think the whole market is thinking about quite a bit, and I wonder what happens in the practical execution of it. A huge buzzword in our industry right now is big data, right? Data. Data's fucking awesome, I love data. Data's tremendous, but watching the amount of data that's out there and the amount of data that we're all sitting through and siphoning through and the complete lack of execution against that data because people are crippled by the data is just one of the most interesting things of all time. I promise you one thing, everybody that's here, We don't need any more data. There's plenty of fucking data to do shit. I promise, it's true. We have plenty of data to do things. Meanwhile, people continue to build things on top of that data and try to add value and then try to sell that through. And it's just a very interesting time. So I don't know, I've been sitting around listening to everything today and everything makes sense and and it's all fantastic. But I don't think, you know, maybe I'm a little tired and it's later in the day. But I just want people to do shit. I think we're crippled by lack of execution in this market more and more. And, if, and I, I was sitting back with Mark and somebody came up to me, he's like, oh, I started this interview series and all these people are reaching out to me and I've only done four videos. And I looked at him and I said, you know, a funny thing happens when you start doing shit. And I think that what we need to start understanding is not only, there's a comma to that, not only is it about doing shit, but once and for all, we need to start looking ourselves in the mirror and asking ourselves, does the service we provide, do I as an employee, do I as a VC, do I as an entrepreneur, do I as a journalist, do I actually bring value to the ecosystem? Because the funny thing is, as much as I've massaged it, and as much as I've thought about it, and I've built several, you know, 30, 40, 60, 70 million dollar businesses in my career, so I've had success, and as much as I massage it over and over, it comes down to a couple little things. Do you bring value? and do you know how to articulate that value in story? Let me explain. The thing that I'm most fascinated by right this second in the world is this following thing. That Facebook is so bad at telling its story that brands and people in the world right now think that the sponsored story product by Facebook is a ripoff. Brands believe that they're getting capped on their organic reach on Facebook so that you have to buy more Facebook ads to actually reach your audience. However, Facebook sponsored stories is the only product in the world that I know that works like this. Do you know that if you want to spend money on a piece of content on Facebook, if you want to sponsor a piece of content, and that piece of content is shit that Facebook will not take your money? Let me say it again. Facebook will not take your money. You cannot spend the money that you want against sponsoring a post because if it's not getting enough engagement, Facebook will stop showing it and not take your money. Do you think that there is one TV network or one newspaper or one banner fucking ad platform 
that when you deliver your banner ad to them and they look at it and they're like, this is horseshit. Let's give them back half their money. Do you think that fucking exists? It doesn't. Meanwhile, Facebook's getting murdered because they don't know how to story tell. And this is happening over and over. And I look at these things, I'm like, this is the greatest, greatest ad product that has happened in a long time. That if a piece of content's doing well, you can amplify it because you can actually react to the data, not do an upfront, let's spend this money and let's see what happens. No, actually respond to reality of the marketplace and pay against it. And meanwhile, it's being looked upon terribly because here's an interesting scenario where a company bought tremendous value but didn't know how to story tell. And that's why storytelling and the theme of everything and everything I ever think about matters. Listen, I'm gonna tell, you know, probably because there's not that many people here, I'll share my secret. I get much more credit than I deserve for my accomplishments in my career. And the only reason that is, is because I'm just a much better storyteller than a lot of other people that have done plenty of things in their career that are greater or better than me. And I think that we need to think about that. I promise you that the greatest book that was ever written and the best movie of all time didn't open didn't sell because they didn't know how to story tell the quality of that content. And so content matters and content matters so much to me. And the reason that I'm super pumped to watch my whole VaynerMedia SF crew, when I look at them, I say to myself, we're doing smart work. We're storytelling native to the way the world is. I know that the world now lives, that you guys live in a world that looks like this, that we live in a world that we do this, right? And how do you stop somebody in this new ADD stream economy that we live in and tell a story? How do you live in a world now where we are paying attention to 90 things? How do you stop them and tell a story? And the answer is by doing it natively. Dan from Share Through was a very important guy and I hope he got his licks in in that panel because panels are tough in 15 minutes with five fucking people. What the fuck were you thinking, Bonin? But, <laughs> but, if he got his licks in, holy shit, don't break your computer. I know it's good stuff up here, but fucking calm down. Anyway, <laughs> how do you stop somebody when we're in this world, right? It was easy to do good commercials in the 1970s. You came home, you had a long day of work, you popped a beard, you sat your fucking ass on the couch, and you like couldn't, no DVR, you fucking, fuck, no remote control, you know? Even if you didn't wanna watch this shit, you're like, I'm not getting fucking up, right? And so you consumed, and it was easy to story tell because that's the way we did. And if you look back, I'll leave you with this tidbit because I got a minute. I would tell a lot of people in this room to look back historically at what the Leo Burnett company did in the 1960s. The Leo Burnett company was an ad agency that did something quite smart. They understood the psychology to why you watch television, which was escapism, which was character-based marketing, and you watch television for Gunsmoke, you watched television for I Dream of Genie. so when commercial time came, they gave you more of what you wanted instead of what they wanted. They gave you the Marlboro Man, they gave you Tony the Tiger, they gave you the Keebler Elves. They story told in the way that you wanted it, and so what I'm spending a lot of my time these days on is I know that you, the world, is spending more and more time in your mobile devices and on social networks. And I have to figure out, and you have to figure out, and every brand has to figure out, and every startup has to figure out, and every human has to figure out, how do I get my story across in that world? Which, oh, by the way, is much harder, happens much faster, all of a sudden, six second, when we saw Vine come out, we're like, yeah, we already knew that videos under 10 seconds did better on Facebook than anything over 10 seconds. So when we saw six second video, we were up to the task as a company to storytell in six seconds, because much like when I saw Twitter, people, do you guys remember how people were freaking the fuck out on 140 characters? Like, go read 
articles about Twitter in late 2006 and early 2007 that said, we'll never figure out how to communicate in 140 characters. They have to extend this. Eventually, it's, we figured it out. I mean, there are grown-ass men in this room that have texted in the last 24 hours things like OMG and LOL. <laughs> we adjust. We completely, as a society, underestimate the evolution of how human beings communicate. We used to write shit on caves, then we did fucking smoke signals, and we evolve. And I promise you that what's happening right now is part of that evolution, and we will always figure it out. And it is not sad when you go out to dinner and see couples looking at their phone and not talking to each other, because they're talking to the person they'd rather be talking to. And that's better than it used to be. We will always self-populate and do what we want. It is our job as marketers and entrepreneurs and VCs and brands to figure out how to get into that stream in a non-disruptive way. I think, I think we're living in very special times and I hugely appreciate you giving me 15 minutes. Have a good day, see ya. Any questions? Yeah. So we're, gonna, we're over time but first of all, wow. It's always inspiring to hear you talk, you know Thank that. you, Bon. Uh, it was like in the back, it's like you're watching like the show Newsroom and he's like, you know, giving the edict to the change of the media industry and um, so, I spend most of my days in boardrooms. You yeah. have been in a number of those boardrooms. What's yep. the biggest challenge you think are in those boardrooms? That everybody's full of shit. That people don't make, that people, no but it's true, right? Like let's really like, well, especially this is, I mean I fucking love it when it's like this. So let's, let, let's, let's talk about it for real, right? The problem with boardrooms are people, I was so naive to corporate America. I was an entrepreneur my whole life. I grew my family's business, then I was into startups. Corporate America, somebody makes a decision in a boardroom or some of your businesses that is completely predicated on their bonus, not what's best for the product. Or completely predicated on how they can politically grow within the organization. Or how to make their boss look good, bad, or indifferent. So what ends up happening is you sit in a boardroom where people aren't aligned on what's right. Me and my dad fought every single day for nine years building Wine Library. Every day I fought with my dad. I'm proud to sit here and say that I cried a hundred times, cried. But there's one thing I think back to now that blows my mind, which is that my dad and I only ever gave a fuck about the logo. It was never about what my dad wanted, it was never about what I wanted, it was never about who made more money, it was nothing other than the fucking logo. Wine library, right? That's not happening at Borderings Corporate America. People don't give a fuck about selling more cereal or soda or fucking anything. They're thinking about other things and there's seven agendas. I mean, I have a very tough time with what's going on between agencies and brands. I don't think their agendas are aligned. Like, you know, I think agencies do a terrible job. I mean, back to my naivete to you guys, like, I didn't run an agency. I think the reason we built a really big company really fast is I didn't know the rules. I didn't know that, like, you should charge for every hour that you sneeze, right? Like, I didn't know this shit. I just wanted to do the best work. I, I just wanted to do what was right. I just wanted to sell shit. Go figure. Fair enough. Um, true that. Uh, but you know, at the same time, but, so. But that's real, Bob. Yeah, no, I, look, dude, I sit there with you. I, the challenge that I face more than anything is what I see is so there's one set of people in the say? boardroom. No, no, I want you to say that. There's one set of people in the boardroom which is senior leaders. There is another set of people in the boardroom which are more junior marketers that enter into a system that is actually built on not necessarily making sure that they live up to their potential. So what makes me nervous, and you well, see then, this. Well then fuck, let's talk about school then. Yeah, fair enough. Like if you really all, want to all bring, those, you know. I think business school. You want to talk about the real conspiracy? Yeah, but I think business school too. I think, you know, look, 1%. How many people have student loans? Raise your hand. Yeah. 
fucking blows. Some horseshit. <laughs> Or, you know, so we did, we, did a, we did a survey. Out of the top 100 business schools, uh, all of the descriptions of classes, only 1% of those descriptions use the word digital in it. In yeah, so let me tell you something about business schools in America. You're looking at somebody right now who failed. Who failed? I, I always have to preface this. I tell all my friends I was a bad student, and I'm hanging out with all these fucking millionaires and geniuses. I think they think that I got Bs, right? I'm like, no, asshole, I got fucking Fs. Right? So you're talking to somebody up here right now who failed all his classes, who went to Mount Ida College, right? Because I got a postcard in the mail, second semester of my <laughs> senior year, and brought in my guidance counselor, and she's like, fuck it, go. And so, <laughs> all right? So, meanwhile, now I go and speak at all these places, right? I go to Harvard and University of Chicago and Michigan and all these places, and I always go and sit and listen to the curriculum before I speak because what I sniffed out was like, holy shit. Yeah, it's abysmal. Abysmal? They're talking about shit that isn't it's relevant not, three crazy. years ago, let alone now. It's crazy. And, and I just, actually think we're failing most of the people who are entering in as a result of that. But the other thing I think, so the challenge I think you face is, which I see you face sometimes directly, is yep. that so many brand marketers are afraid to actually take your guidance and pull the trigger on the things that you're suggesting. Of course, because nobody gets fired for doing television. Or but no, the, but the bigger problem with that is not that they don't get fired. They become uh, obsolete in 25 years, and they sit and stay stagnant in the exact same place in their career. So what I get frustrated about is that they're not told that the way to actually grow is to do things different. By the way, there's a ton of people who look the same. There's very yeah, few people I, I who think, look different. I think, I think the, th the other thing is we have to realize it's not an all-or-nothing game. The Fair thing right. that has blown me away about corporate or these organizations is that they don't have a Navy SEALs unit, right? Like the US government is the biggest thing and we have the biggest military and I always use this equation, right? Like we have a big army, television, print, you know, we have a big army, scale, right? But to get certain jobs done, there's like 40 dudes, 40 chicks, right? That make shit happen. The fact that these organizations have not created allocation of dollars for ninja units to go out and actually make shit happen seems crazy to me because it's a very small allocation of dollars in the scheme of what they spend each year. And meanwhile, I mean listen, you know this and if we're gonna get into this, like you have, you have very junior brand managers controlling the money, not senior leadership, which is fascinating to me, right? I, mean, I think that's a good thing. I just think that we haven't encouraged them. But they're scared them. to spend they're it. Scared, they're they're scared. scared. You know, like, and then I sit in all these senior meetings and they're like, well the brand managers aren't doing their job. I'm like, asshole, you're fucking not giving them the permission. And the funny thing is, in the end of the day, and when I they're do actually that, judged, like <laughs> when he does say that, by the way, when they're <laughs> and you're like, uh, what he really means is uh, <laughs> the appropriate sir, terminology is sir. asshole, sir. <laughs> so um, anyway, I, you know, we're running out of time. I, I just thought that it was interesting, and I also think so. You talked about the big data. I walked by a panel and said, big data needs to be small data. And I was like, really? That's <laughs> kind of the, but I, I thought it was interesting about the repackaging. So one last yeah. uh, question. Yeah. So um, what do you think is, and I'm, again, I'm talking from a brand marketer standpoint. What okay. do you think is the one, if you could tell them to go do one thing that would help open up their perspective, what would it be? Fuck, man, there's so many. Um, one thing. One thing. One. That, Focus. One thing that could open up their The problem for me with that answer is, that, to answer that question, and I'm, as many of you know, I'm never sure to give a quick answer, is that I only care about execution. I only care about execution. 
So when I try to reverse engineer what a brand marketer needs to do to actually then go and execute, it could be going to a conference and being inspired. It could be going and working with a startup for a month to see how it actually is. But the reality is, it's almost like, you know, if I told them to do one thing, it'd be to go tell their bosses what they actually feel. Because the horseshit is what's really the problem. The fact that that's the, the communic- it's, it's like relationships. It's, you know, people don't communicate enough, right? Like, we just don't communicate enough. Like, the, there's just too much horseshit. There's too much bullshit, and then people are crippled to go and execute, and that's the real thing that you see, and the reason I think that my company can execute is that I have not been able to convince my team that I'm not joking that I want to give them 15 minutes at a time and that they can say anything. It's been surprising to me that they haven't taken me up on that. It's been surprising that they're still scared of me, and that makes me realize, holy shit, infrastructure, I mean, could you imagine, like, me, right? Like, you see what I am, right? There's still that intimidation based on layers. How do we create something that gets actual, authentic, real dialogue going on? Because everybody is crippled by bullshit rules and tons of tradition that doesn't actually matter in a 2014 world. And that's why Barnes and Noble and Borders go out of business. That's why in the consumer packaged goods brand, you guys are always trying to buy Chaboni and Red Bull and vitamin water and you're unable to do it yourselves because there's just too much horse shit which makes you slow and everything is predicated on speed. Speed is the game and if you can't execute fast, you can't win because by the time you execute on your promise, the world fucking moved on you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's give a big round of applause.